Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to Real Talk. We are going digital for the first hour of our very first launch, but don't worry, we will be back on the airwaves shortly. You had just missed our catch-up of current affairs, but nonetheless, our next topic is going to be a bit of a heavier one. And it is one that gets spoken about quite often, especially in our beloved Rainbow Nation, and that is the pandemic of gender-based violence. But because it's Women's Month, and sadly, this seems to be one of the hottest topics when it comes to women, each week we're going to be unpacking a different aspect, inshallah. Mind you, boys and men are also frequent victims of abuse and rape, which is also something that we're hoping to unpack at some point, inshallah. To start off with, though, we look at the context of violence and we consider what it is like to grow up in an abusive home and what kind of impact that actually has on those living in the household. Let's start off with a clip from a young woman telling us about her experience. Before the age of eight, my life was very much stable until my mother got married and we had to now deal with his anger issues. His rage was severe and most times he wasn't physically violent even though there were a few incidents but every single day when I was younger and with him I remember having to sit through unbearable shouting and screaming at me for the most bizarre reasons. He had outbursts with me frequently and with our extended family as well. It's something I've had to endure until I was old enough to shout back in retaliation and that's where I really figured out what my strength looks like. The coping mechanism I used was just to numb everything that was happening around me. I became emotionally numb and tuned off and even at 25 years old I struggled to speak about my emotions and feelings and navigate through these. I struggled to validate what I'm feeling and give it its due and when speaking to people, I always apologize because I feel like I'm wasting their time and that there's way worse that others have had it. So uh, growing up in a very abusive household, I can say it has its impact. And I'm one of the lucky people that actually had the chance to choose their own path. And um, I'm very lucky and very grateful for that. And um, the other impact that uh, growing up in a abusive household they has is it suppresses one you you are always living in fear if what if the fights end up um falling on on your side also what if the fighting it it, it gets so um ugly one day that you lose your mother at, at that younger age for me i am 27 years old this year and i can with a, a pure heart say that everything that i went through was not in vain it had made me aware of life. It had made me make sure that I do not become who my mother was. I do not become the same person my mother was to my kids. And um, I can also speak about things that I went through, making sure that whoever is going through the same situation does not go through that route again. But what I can say for, for other people is that people that grow up in this situation, your past or the situation that you guys go through does not determine your future. You have to draw, you have to choose your own life. You have to choose your own path. You have to choose how you live your life, how you react to certain situations. Joining us online now is a name that you might have heard come up in a couple of news bulletins or you might have heard an interview of her. 
and that is activist against crime and violence, Ms. Rushanda Pascu. Ms. Rushanda, shukran so much for joining us and welcome to Real Talk. Thank you for inviting me to be in your program. It is our absolute pleasure. So let's start off with getting to know our guest a little bit better. Ms. Pascu, tell us who you are and what is it that you do? So I'm an activist on the Cape Plates resisting crime and violence and oppression of any form against humanity. Um, myself, what's motivating me is um, coming from a broken family, um, at the age of three introduced to um, violence um, in the family unit. And that is what's motivating me. I made a promise then as a little child that I would want to change things for other children one day in the same position as I was at that time. And lo and behold, I am doing it today. Never thought it would happen, you know, as years go by, you struggle and and you think that you must just give up on your dreams and it will you will ne- it will never materialize. But um by the grace of the Almighty, I'm able to do that in my small way, assisting today children um, that are victim to this um, crime and violence and um, domestic violence, gender-based violence, um, rape victims. Um, I, I do trauma support. I give a voice to them if they feel they are not um, being hurt by the, the powers that be. And so, yeah, that is practically what I do, mobilize, organize around these issues um, and, and give strength and power back to our children and women. That is so lovely and inspiring. Shukran so much. And we all know that violence and domestic abuse, you know, it has various facets. But being an anti-violence activist and having worked in the field for so many years, what has been the most prevalent form of violence and why do you think that it is so? So, um, the, the most prevalent is, is, is family violence. No? You, you find um, broken families, um, you find the husband... Um, raping and abusing and and the reason why it is so it's it's because this is like a new new thing for our people our people uh, uh, say we were raised um it should be so uh a woman should be submissive and and she must be obedient and be silent and she was made to believe she deserves that kind of treatment and it, it is just transferred over for generations and generations to come. And now that we we have grown and learned that, but it is not normal, you find that it's hard to face the reality and accept the truth. Mm, mm. And although it's not an exact science, you know, research has shown four driving factors behind domestic violence, and that is structural, institutional, interpersonal, and individual. Kindly explain what these are to the layman. So, so uh, when you when you speak of structural, no, structural for me, and this is my view, is our system. Our system is structured in a way that. Um, there is there's like minimal that is why as a state we are only looking at the laws that be now to give power to women and children and for many years structurally we as women 
have been oppressed in all our ways. Um, Then you have your interpersonal, like I say, religion plays a role in interpersonal um, violence where um, domestic violence is very prevalent. And then you have your constitutional, where you have these departments that have to give service um, uh, to these victims and they are not actively. Some of them tend to want to not understand the law themselves. Myself as, as a sister, a few cases going to the police station where the policeman having to take a statement, uh, you're, uh, not even introducing the, the victim to the violence, um, the VP room, um, victim support room. And so clearly, structurally, there's totally a breakdown. Mm. Where, where people do not understand the function and the service that should be rendered to victims. They do not know how to take in cases. And that is, you find it in police, you find it in social development. All the structures that should help um, are not equipped and trained well enough to assist the victims. Mm. Tonight, ma'am, we are hoping to focus on children. So would you kindly detail to us how domestic abuse affects children in the home and the type of trauma that is faced. You know, what kind of impact does it have on the emotional and psychological development? So, um, this is my personal experience and my own journey that I want to share tonight with the audience. I want to share with them so that they can have an insight because my story is different of what many children are facing today. Um, It's just that um, I think to a certain extent at that time I were not hurt and now it's even harder to get attention mm. to these cases. So I, I was born in a family where alcohol was the drug, as you can say it. A broken family, my mother and father were not married to each other. I was the eldest grandchild and we know what happens with the eldest grandchild. So this family constantly fought with each other, everybody drinking. My mother also drinking as a young woman at that time, having to deal with the fact that um, a society is punishing you and judging you for having a child out of wedlock. That Mm. is point number one. Mm. Point number two, they are very poverty-stricken. The only income was by domestic work, and that was the financial stability that there was. So, um, yeah, I'm a child caught in the middle. Mm. Let me tell you, um, I'm now between the age of 14 and 45. The impact of that journey of mine, it led me by the age of 16 to leave the house. Um, And my grandparents raised me. Before that, at the age of 12, I had to stand in a court, um, a a children's court, for... um, to be handed over as a foster child to my grandparents. Mm. What goes with that, I can tell you, as much as we love each other and we are family and blood relation, I hate, I hate foster care, to be mm. honest with you. Mm. It took me 20 years to really come to terms with certain things and bury certain things and close the chapter. But this is what happens with the child. The child without a voice, without the knowledge, without being able to contextualize what the emotions is that this child is going through. This child are just being shoved by adults, 
you go there, you do this, and the court decide this, and the court decide mm. that. Nobody is thinking of the happiness of this child. Mm. Then comes the trauma and the violence um, impacts on this child. Violence, not physically at all, at times um, mentally, emotionally. Mm. I can tell you, up till today, I hate it when people tell children, go away. Mm. Ask your mother to look after you because mm. I had to grow up constantly hearing how bad my mother was, mm. how she is not able to take care of us, mm. how, what a worthless father I have. Mm. And because of that, I had to adhere to what they are saying to me, otherwise I wouldn't get a plate of food or I wouldn't get that dress. I wouldn't get that shoes. And that was most of my life. You know, when I started working in the factory, a girl started there and she looked at me and she said to me, aren't you that girl that used to run always so fast, always barefoot, whether it rain or the wind was blowing, you were always barefoot. And immediately my eyes welled up with tears. Because why? At that time in my life, I thought nobody was seeing. Mm. I became aggressive. Mm. I fought it with other children, not because I wanted to. I wanted to be heard. Mm. I mm. wanted people to see, but it's not as happy as you think or perceive inside of the house. Yeah. And my life could have gone many ways. You know, when people... um um, um uh, make fun of prostitutes mm. me I'm not doing that because why it could have easily be my fate mm. Mm. but I had I call them community angels those are the people in my community in my street elderly people that captured me that hold me and throw me into their homes and give me some love, mm. give me some affection. Mm. And as I grew up, this aggressiveness got worse and worse and worse and I was ruthless. I couldn't care what I said to people. Mm. Um, my turning point came when I had my own child. And that was the only thing that really made me stand still and reflect on the hardship, Mm. the emotional abuse, everything that I went through because my elder son almost died in my arms in Red Cross Hospital. And I grabbed for the first time ever, I grabbed the nurse and said to her, if my child dies tonight in this hospital, you are also going to die. And I realized when the doctor spoke to me, something is wrong. Mm. Uh, The second occasion was I was in a community meeting where social development was and the social worker at that time spoke in the meeting about foster care and how we should just take children from their parents and put them, place them in foster care. And you know, it, it, it has hurt me at that time so deep. Yeah. And the way she was speaking, as a, it's nothing. Yeah. And the next minute I'm in front of her and asked her, I hope 
When you place this child in foster care, you go with that child. You listen to every bad thing that child are being told. You are there when that plate of food are not afforded to that child or that pair of shoes are not afforded. And that child has become only but a financial commodity to those foster parents. Because that is the impact it has. That is the form of violence people do not realize. It leaves lasting scars. I took it right into my marriage. And where am I today? 20 years marriage and me and my ex-husband realized we are toxic to each other. Mm. Mm. And and there was never love between us. What drew us as a witness to each other, we both of us had a painful history mm. of broken families, of not ever getting um, affection and love from our families. Mm. The only thing that kept us going was our children because we didn't want our children to have the same pain. Mm. Not knowing. We insist without us knowing. Mm. We are doing exactly the same to our own children, not the way it happened to us. Mm. But being toxic towards each other, inflicting Mm. that trauma onto our children. And funny enough, Last week, me and my children, my eldest children, had a conversation. And for the first time, they acknowledge, and it's 10 years now, they still are walking with the pain, and they're not feeling happy in their marriages because of what happened between them and um, between me and their father. And they are not feeling happy in their marriages today. And that is how... You carry it over, mm. and the abuser becomes the abuse becomes the abuser. Mm. I've been there. Mm. Ma'am, I apologize. We are running out of time, but I do want to get to the next question related to how we overcome this type of abuse, you know, this type of trauma that we see. Because as you've mentioned, you know, this it happens to you when you were a child, but it carries over into your adult life. So what are the tools that we need to overcome these types of toxic situations? You know, what are some of the things that we can carry forward and help each other with? My best recommendation is I never believed in in counseling. Believe me, I've never believed in it until I went for it. It helped me a a great deal. It helped me to identify where my weaknesses were, where I was in fault, where I could acknowledge my wrong in the process, not just blaming and feel the world owes me. Realizing how how much I'm also contributing to the pain that I'm experiencing. So um, it's very good. You know, um, the one thing I would tell people always, instead, if somebody gives you advice and say, you know, you are better than that. um, That is not you that are being displayed here. Listen, because that is a warning sign. Reflect, listen. And seek help if you yourself cannot process through it and work on it. The best is to get counseling. The fact that people, and especially people in our communities, assume that counseling is for crazy people. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. And the pain is so deep. And I can tell you, like, like we've said in the beginning, there's different levels of pain. Mm-hmm. 
in different forms of violence, some physical, some emotional. In order to identify that, it's best to seek out to a trauma counselor mm. that would understand and could identify. And it's not craziness because why the counselor is not doing much. You are in fact healing yourself, but the counselor creates the space for you to let out. Yes. Because gossip is in the community. People use your past against you. But in the counselor's room, that is confidential. It's a safe space and you have somebody that you can let out to. Ms. Rushanda Pascu, inspirational Cape Flats activist. Shukran so much for joining us and shedding some light on this heavy topic of domestic abuse within the home. We really appreciate you. May Allah... Bless and keep you safe and grant you strength, inshallah. We appreciate your time, ma'am. Have a beautiful evening further, inshallah. Inshallah, amin. Shukran very much for the opportunity. Afwan, assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam. And that is it for the first segment. Our time has ticked off and we got a dash into the main studio. It is now the time to head over to your wireless radio and tune in over there. We hope that you have enjoyed our digital company as much as we enjoyed yours. It's 91.3. This is Real Talk.